Hi, this is Rod Jans. Welcome to my conversation with Lori Martin. I first became aware of spiritual direction when I read a book by Father Thomas Keating on centering prayer. The practice of centering prayer and meditation and spiritual direction was unfamiliar territory for me at the time. So when I read that Father Thomas Keating was recommending that people find a spiritual director, I was curious to find out more. Around that time, I met someone who just happened to mention spiritual direction during a conversation that we were having outside Starbucks near our home. I was kind of desperate and broken at the time and looking for help in more ways than one. And after about a year-long search, I was able to find a loving, wonderful, spiritual director who is still my director to this day. For those of you who may be unfamiliar with spiritual direction, according to Wikipedia, it's the practice of being with people as they attempt to deepen their relationship with the divine. The organization that I eventually became a part of and received spiritual direction training myself is called SoulStream. And that brings us to today's interview, because it was at a SoulStream event where I first met our guest, Lori Martin. The thing that served me best, probably with that question, is am I willing to do a deep surrender into love? Not a deep surrender into having the answers, and definitely not the pat answers. Just a deep surrender into love that I don't know all things, and I never will in our situation. It was a thousand-piece puzzle that came together. Lori lives in Abbotsford, BC, where she offers spiritual direction and companionship and inner healing sessions. She also leads contemplative retreats as well. As you'll hear in this interview, Lori has journeyed through the deepest of waters and a series of losses, including the death of her youngest daughter. In these raw experiences, she has learned to embrace both grief and the graces that impact us deeply, change our lives, and crack us open to the core. During the first half of this interview, we'll discuss Lori's first spiritual inklings, how she learned about contemplation, and how she became a spiritual director. During the last half of the interview, we'll talk about the loss of her daughter, dealing with grief, and the healing and miraculous day she spent on the set of the movie The Shack, where she met the book's author, Paul Young. Maybe we could clarify something. This wasn't in our agenda, so I don't think this will throw you off. We even had this conversation before we got online and started to record. And that is this term of spiritual direction, spiritual companion. I mean, I know even in the training, it's like people, I don't, people don't necessarily always feel comfortable with it, but in a sense, it's been going on for for centuries. <laughs> yeah, it's an ancient practice and a, a wonderful way to be companioned on a spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. And I think our more contemporary view from people who don't understand the history is that a spiritual director um, is someone who directs us spiritually, which raises some red flags and should. We are not qualified to direct people spiritually, but yeah. we are invited to help people look at the direction of their hearts, look at the direction of their spiritual growth and what's happening for them or not. To look directly at their heart. So the word direction, I think, needs some tweaking in our modern day thinking. So that's why I prefer spiritual companion because that's more friendly. It's not, it's more accurate actually because the spiritual director does not, is not directive. 
We are to hold space and to allow the person to connect with themselves and with God and just to be a guide there, but not a director. Yeah, a guide and a good listener, right? Just like a good friend would be, you know? Yeah, and help ask the deeper questions. You know, if I could solve all my own problems, I, I would. If I could do a root canal on myself, I certainly would do a root canal on myself, but I can't. Mm -hmm. I have to go to someone who understands how to navigate that territory a little bit more than me or has been further ahead or, or even in a mutual relationship to someone else to hold space while I look deeply at um, what's impacting me in my life. In a sense, it's a little bit like coaching, which people are becoming more comfortable with, except, except it's not, <laughs> right? You're helping people to notice what's going on in their spiritual lives, you know, in their, in their relationship with God. So it's, um, but it, it, it's, there are some similarities, isn't there? Yeah, there is. And yeah. of course, spiritual direction is as different from one person to the next. So different yeah. spiritual directors hold different space for people. Some are, are very non-intrusive and really just keep asking the questions and allowing the spirits within to be made known and to, to guide the session. I can be a little bit more tenacious than that at times. I sometimes <laughs> do like to open some more thoughts and uh, spiritual practices and maybe be a little bit more hands-on than, than some. But it's, it's different for everyone. Every session's different. That's the, the beauty of it, is you never know what's going to come up for people or what inner terrain we will navigate. Some of it is, you know, just giving thanks for what's going on. Some of it is we tap into deep-rooted trauma, and we need to be okay to meet the spirit there. One of the questions that is on the agenda <laughs> was I was just wondering if you could describe your upbringing and some of your early spiritual inklings. Sure. sure. Yeah. I, I love my story. I'm so grateful for it. Um, at least it's, it's nice to say that on this side of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was raised in a, a home that didn't have anything to do with God or church um, that I knew of. But there was a Sunday school bus that went around the neighborhood, and I was attracted to that Sunday school bus somehow, and my parents let me go. So I got my pretty little Sunday dress on, and my mom helped me with my Sunday school lessons, and I would go every Sunday on that bus to a Sunday school. Mm. And I somehow, and I say somehow in quotations because it's a capital S, uh, someone um, met me there, and I just fell in love with Jesus and have followed Jesus as closely as I could all of my life. I was, um, it was a very evangelical church, so I, I think I fell in love with Jesus every Sunday and made sure that I was going to heaven. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, something definitely stuck there, and I loved um, what I heard in the scriptures, uh, at least the, the good stuff. And... Um, I love my teachers. My teachers prayed for me and loved me and eventually became a youth leader and in the choir and joining Bible studies and babysitter and then church secretary. And now I'm continuing my life in the church, which I do love after a bit of a sabbatical and some time out. So I've just always been in love with Jesus and loved the things of, of God in some way and passionate about it. My sister on Facebook asked a really interesting question the other day about, you know, are you spiritual or religious? And, you know, the conversation was really cool. And several people 
made the point and I, 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 I have to agree with them. I, I mean, I don't think it's either or, but it's good to have a container, isn't it? To, yeah. and, and Richard War says this too, that you, in order to leave something and even go and discover other things, it's, it's good to at least start with some sort of, of a container. Have you, have you found that in, yes, that in your experience? Definitely. Yeah. I love, I love how you, you frame that and you're, I'd love to see that conversation, but I was given Jesus as a little girl and Jesus truly became my best friend. I had a difficult upbringing in many ways. And so Jesus was my rock, my solid place, my faith that I could rest in. And as life goes on, I became very disillusioned with the church, don't we all? And should we all? <laughs> yeah, it's part, of, it's part of that natural progression. I, I, don't, I don't think we talk about that enough or make people aware of that enough, is it? Yes. Well, yeah. I, because my family was dysfunctional, I thought the church was the perfect family. Mm. So it's really good to, to learn, no, she's not the perfect family. She's dysfunctional <laughs> too. And uh, so then we tap into the love and grace of God. And then at some point uh, in my journey, you know, I, we lost our, our youngest daughter. And some of the practices that I had learned at SoulStream in my spiritual direction training really carried me for the first two years. I was thrilled to be able to still be in God's presence and to be carried and held in such great, horrific um, loss and grief. But about year three, when my other children were doing well from this family tragedy, I started to feel my anger at what had happened, my anger at God for letting it happen, and had to do that whole journey. So I did exit in a dark night from a lot of church for and every religious thing. We even went to Europe, and I could hardly go into those beautiful chapels, um, except for the beautiful art that drew me there. So then I did stay away for a while and did a lot of deconstruction. And I was really nervous about it and scared about it. But my spiritual director and my therapist kept telling me, you will be invited back somewhere sometime. This is your church in the woods time. And I did need to connect with God outside of a church setting, outside of structured religious life. And I did. And I'm really grateful for the journey. And then kind of deconstructed as much as I felt I needed to, came what I felt to a bottom of, am I going to believe this or am I not going to believe this? Uh, is my faith going to carry me when I don't seem to have the faith that I used to? And it did. And I feel like I've come full circle and the reconstruction has happened in a beautiful way. And I, I love where I've landed, but it's a scary journey, that whole. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's so many things I could ask you about that. but <laughs> I want to come back to that in a sec. And you mentioned it, like you mentioned that there were some, some spiritual practices that really helped you during that time. Was there something that drew you to contemplation and I'm sure that's in the mix of this whole st the whole story that you just shared well. yeah I, I think primarily it's my nature I'm a four yeah. on the Enneagram which loves the deep things and um, really connects deeply with God and loves union with God so I think it's my temperament partially I've always been drawn to prayer and to connecting with God in relationship especially in light of not having what I felt was a deep family connection in some ways. I, I really did lean into God and my spiritual life. And it worked for me. I felt quite different after reading my Bible and praying and 
uh, spending time with God. So I think that started as a child where I would, you know, memorize scriptures for stickers and get plaques for my wall and <laughs> all of that. It, it, so yes, it was probably some unhealthy spiritual <laughs> uh, ways, but it, it did give me a foundation for what I do still love. And then I think I'm also can be very, you know, anxious or concerned person being again, a four feeling very deeply and having some trauma in my life. And so I do need to lean into quiet. I need stillness and silence to help ground me for my day and for my work to do my work with integrity, the quiet spiritual life and the practices of centering prayer, welcoming prayer, journaling, scripture reading. And now I'm officially an Anglican been confirmed last spring so I'm loving the daily office and the prayers of the people and all kinds of Eucharistic prayers. So I, I think they really do ground me and hold me and um, help me to come into an alignment to, to my true self and connect with God there. So you mentioned personality type. Do you think it's just certain personality types that are drawn to contemplation or do you... Do you think it expresses itself in different ways? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love that, expressing itself in different ways. I love how you said that. Because um, yeah. it totally is. And yeah. it's actually fun to explore different ways and, and to meet different people who meet God in different ways. I've recently joined an uh, interfaith group in Abbotsford, and it's very exciting. I used to love the ecumenical stream, too. Well, I still do, where lots of different um, faith journeys and, and, and Christian traditions meet. And I love what the common threads in, in there, but I also love the unique differences that each hold a different piece of God. So discovering that in the interfaith has also been, been really helpful for me in discovering all the different ways you can meet God. But I think some people prefer to be more active in their, in their expression of their faith journey. But I think it always will lead them the need for contemplation, the need to have some spiritual practices that will, again, care for them while they're caring for the world or working hard. Some people start with contemplation, and that leads them into an active life of serving outside of themselves. And some people start with the action, I think, and then they realize, oh, I need my higher power to actually tap into my best self and my creative energies to serve from a free and integrous place. I think going into this interview, I was kind of feeling like, let's talk a lot about contemplation and spiritual direction, but I'm feeling really a real strong pull to talk about your story. Sure. <laughs> I think even you starting out saying that you love your story and um, yeah, and, and you're, you're happy with where you are now and that you're sort of on, on the other side of things. I noticed on your, your website that you talk about the shack and you mentioned already the loss of your daughter and um, you met Paul Young along the way, who is the author of the shack. Some people, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with that in the movie and, and his book. And uh, it's been a little bit controversial, but it's also meant a lot to a lot of people, including myself. I, I love his perspective on things. Um, so yeah, if you wouldn't mind just re relating that story to us, that, that I, that's, I think that's where I'd like to go. If you're open to that. Yes, absolutely. It's always a joy to be able to share your story from a more healed place. Mm. Um, I can't say I'm totally on the other side of it, and I don't think I will be until I literally am on the other side of that thin veil. 
in the fullness of light. There's still pieces of, of work that I do in my life. But the, the story around the shack started after our daughter's death. And as I mentioned, the first two years, I really had a close sense of God's presence carrying me and meeting me. And I'm so grateful for that. I called it grace upon grace, where I would just be given a grace for that moment, for that day. I was often on my, the floor of my closet in tears, but the, a grace would always come somehow. And it would be through a bird or a friend or just a thought or a sense or a good sleep. <laughs> yeah. How many years ago was this? Our daughter died six and a half years ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I can't, I can't imagine going through anything like that. I mean, no, I hope you never do. I hope yeah, you, I mean, sometimes, you know, you watch a movie or something like that. And with, you know, I watch with my wife or something and we just go, I just, no, I can't imagine ever going through it or even coming back from it. So. Yeah, seriously. It just sh- does show the resilience of the human soul. Uh, when, for me, when I'm connected to God, to my greater power, my source uh, of healing and transformation, sure, and comfort and compassion. And, and being in a good community makes a huge difference. I, yeah. I know I wouldn't be where I am today without a, a loving, caring community, great support. And I, I met a therapist when it was time for, for me to move into some therapy. I didn't know this, but because our daughter died by ending her own life, it's complicated death. And the worst of the worst loss is to lose a child, but to lose a child by death by suicide is, is even worse. So I didn't know this, but I contacted this therapist that I felt drawn to, to do some work with. And after he heard my story, he says, did you know I did my thesis on suicide? And I'm like, no, I, did, I had no idea. Wow. He's like, sit down, mama, there's some things you got to know. <laughs> and it really helped me work through a lot of things that um, I still touch today, but have brought me a lot of great understanding and, and hope over, over many years, over many weeks of meeting. So in, after, I said after a couple of years of feeling the sense of presence, I went into a dark night of the soul where everything I'd known of God um, seemed to fade away. And I, I just told God, you just go on that back burner over there. I'm really mad at you. I now call it, a, we're having a domestic dispute. You go over there. <laughs> I don't like you anymore, and I don't like what you allow in our lives, and I don't get it. I don't get how this could have happened. We were very shocked by it. It wasn't something that was predicted. So in that setting God over there in the dark night, I went on this journey in the woods of um, meeting God in other ways. Mm -hmm. And yet as we were in Vienna, we went to St. Stephen's, and like I said, it wasn't really the the place to be if you want to run away from God or set God in the back burner with all the churches there, basilicas and chapels and cathedrals. But there was one image of the, the divine mercy that just caught my attention. And it was Jesus walking toward me. And it's a kind of, it was the divine mercy picture that the Catholic church used last year for their theme. And anyways, the, the image is so tacky. It's so Hollywood that I couldn't believe that it grabbed my attention. It was almost like it had to be, different and but he was walking toward me in this icon looking right at me look at holding his hand on his heart and I just looked at that image and went but you I can't get rid of you and so it was just this great connection that I would have been given with Jesus it's interesting that it was Jesus because of your your youth and how you felt such such a connection to Jesus yes yes and so I I tried to get rid of that but it didn't go away (laughs) 
and uh, I, I, yeah, really grateful for that. At about that point, then I was I got stuck in my grief. I was very I was stuck, and the shack was being filmed down the beach from our cottage, a couple of blocks away. And our friends Brad and Eden Jerzak were friends with our friends with Paul Young, and co-writers together. And uh, we walked by a sign that said the shack, like a film arrow, and we're like, oh, they're filming the shack right here, just on our beach. And sure enough, at Cultus Lake is where they did a lot of the filming. So Brad connected with Paul, and long story short, Paul ends up being on our movie set on our beach and invites us over. And I, I didn't want to go, but my therapist said, well, what's the book about anyway? And I hadn't even connected that it was about Mackenzie having this great loss of his own daughter and the need for some attention to his great sadness and anger at God. So we walk, we walk over there. And we meet Paul on the beach, and he, he just embraced me. He, they had filled him in on my story. I, I decided I would just go and show up and see what happened, <laughs> my bad attitude. And the way he hugged me, he did not let go. So I felt like, oh, no, there's something bigger going on here. <laughs> and I started to cry, and I said, okay, you can let go now. I'm starting to cry. And he goes, I gotcha. And he pulled my head in closer rather than letting me go. And I, wow. I felt like the spirit needed something very tangible to get my attention, that I was being met by God that day. And, and Paul walked with me through that whole day, sat beside me in the producer's tent when the scene that they were showing at that moment was of Mackenzie and um, Mama Papa on the deck and, and Papa saying, our mama saying, uh, Mackenzie, problem is you don't trust me. He looks at her and says, trust you? I'll never trust you. My daughter's dead. And he flings a cup, I don't know if you saw the movie, but I, I had to watch that, that 15 times and was like a psychodrama of watching my anger and my story and my frustration there. Mm. And, and God saying to me, Trouble is, you don't believe I'm, I'm really good, Mackenzie. You don't believe I'm working in all things for your good. And I was in the same spot. And I, we were all te teary eyes. Uh, Dwight, my husband, was there. Brad and Eden were along. And, and Paul. And we were just all in tears as we watched this scene over and over and over again until I could start to hear that God was for me, not against me. And, yes, God doesn't stop bad things from happening but he doesn't make them happen. And it was just a great, a great scene to watch. There's a few other incredible scenes that we got to watch too, but it was a healing day for me, a big healing day. And when I went home, I thought, is this going to last? Or have I just been starstruck? You know, is this really going to stick? But I felt then, even then I was washing the dishes that the next morning, I felt God say, it doesn't matter what happened to you or how it happened to you. What matters is that it happened to you, that this was given to you these mm. graces and this way of God coming close to me. So really grateful. Wow. Unbelievable. Talk about a divine encounter. Like so many things happened in that, in that, on that day. Hey, like what a, yeah. what a gift from God. Hey, yeah, even how it was orchestrated and Paul Young shares this story quite a bit in, um, on YouTube. He, he, he shares it a lot. You can find the story there or on my website to, oh, cool. uh, we, we talk about it there too. So we, yeah, now, I, now I host Paul Young Retreats. <laughs> oh, yeah. Grace. We're all having our third one this October in Aldergrove Langley. 
at the end of October because we, we just love to tell the story and share the story of God coming close and helping us unpackage our great sadness and coming to, to peace with God. Yeah. Even, even the fact that you were on the set and you had to watch that scene, that particular scene, that day, 15 times. I mean, it's just like, it's almost like a miracle. It's incredible. It, is. it was. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and the other one was, you know, um, Papa saying, you're looking through this, through the knot hole of pain, Mackenzie. And I was like, yeah, I'm looking at my life through the knot hole of pain. And then mm-hmm. the one of the, where the bluebird comes, we saw that one too. And Mackenzie's sitting on the step and Papa says, you were made to fly, Mackenzie, but pain has a way of clipping our wings and uh, just acknowledging exactly where I was at. And the all inter- the things you're going through at the time. Hey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. You, you mentioned one thing I, I, cause I think so many people struggle with this and maybe you can help us with this. Having gone through what you've gone through is people getting mad at God and blaming God actually for their circumstances and the, and the things that happen. Like, how were you able to separate that? I know even myself, you know, and hearing Paul say, Young say it so often again, that God is good. God is always good. And I, there's always a little part of me. I'm, I'm a little bit better. I'm probably in the best place I've been ever today, but there's still a little part of me that goes, yeah, but you know, I still have, I still have this addiction or this, you, you know, you know, have family members that are struggling with, with X and you're allowing that. And, and um, so, you know, for for you, how did you, I'm sure it still creeps up with, because you're human, it still, (laughs) still pops up every once in a while, I'm sure. But um, trusting that God is only good. Yeah. And that God's grace meets us in everything. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people are going to say BS to that. You know, so. yeah. Well, I wrestled. I wrestled yeah. for quite a while. Um, yeah. A good friend of mine, Dr. Brad Jerzak, who you know, uh, helped me unpackage this in a way that made sense for me, as much as anything mysterious and uh, way beyond our our ability to understand can. And it comes from Simone Weil's teaching of that God can either love us or God can control us, and. I believe that God only loves us and God's chosen not to control us or our circumstances because you can't control someone that you love and you, and love isn't control. So for me to accept that God could have controlled all of this. And I get a lot of people sharing their wonderful stories of how God met them so that they, they didn't end their life or, you know, you hear all of these and I'm like, well, what the heck? Like, but for me to understand that God gives us choice and that that's really the most loving thing God can do and that God will meet us in the worst of the worst of the worst and never leaves us and that God did not cause it, but God does allow it. It's part of the, the way God proves God's love toward us rather than, than not. I love the, the the concept of mystery too. I think that's been the most helpful thing to me lately as well as just to not, not in a cop out sort of way or that I'm powerless or anything, but just to say, okay, this one's a mystery. I, I'm, you know, I, I might know someday and I might not know someday why God is allowing this to happen. But it, you know, so often my, my own personal spiritual direction sessions end up with, are you, are you going to trust God with this? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh, dang, that question again. <laughs> you know, are you going yeah, to- the thing that served me best, probably with that question is, am I willing to do a deep surrender into love? 
not a deep surrender into having the answers and definitely not the pat answers. Just a deep surrender into love that, that I don't know all things and I never will in our situation. It was a thousand piece puzzle that came together. It's mm -hmm. very complicated. And so to think that I could actually surrender into love mm -hmm. and empty myself of needing to know, of having to figure it out, of trusting the one who loves me most mm -hmm. and who loves our daughter most and is leading and guiding us all into greater resurrection life, into greater redemption of all things. I'm grateful I've been given, given that grace to hold that space uh, mm -hmm. most of the time. <laughs> Did you have a time where you had to kind of surrender responsibility? Like I would imagine as a mother, it's like, oh, you know, I could, you, you must have, have had a thousand thoughts of what could I have done? Yes. Yeah. Adrian and I were, we are kindred spirits in a sense. We're very much the same. And so I could journey with her very deeply and very closely when she was going through her teenage uh, struggles and challenges. And I loved that about her. She would sit beside me in church and have her head on my shoulder and, she was the favorite babysitter and, and uh, helped with the youth and always was helping her friends at school with all their issues. So for us to be so surprised at, at her choosing uh, what, she, what she did in, that, in those desperate moments is unthinkable for our whole community and her school and every, everywhere. So yes, of course I go, why couldn't I help her this time? I, I've been her companion and I value healing. I value deep wellness. I value companionship. I value family. I value connection and harmony. Like all the things I value most were absolutely ripped away from me in, in that season of my life. So yeah, we take a good look at our life and I acknowledge my parenting as not being perfect, but I do have what I call my sanity trail where I write down exactly what happened and where I was at with it. And that, that helps me. And my four S words, I now live life simply, slowly, safely, and small. Do, sm do, sm do small, safe, slow, and simple. And that's where I lived for a long time. That helped me to survive. Oh, I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> I don't know, but that was nice. That was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I love that formula. That's yeah. really good. <laughs> you know, you mentioned surrendering into love, and, and for sure that's been the most helpful tool to me lately. I'm just wondering if you could unpack that a little bit more. Like, what's that like for you? Do you have sort of a, a way of practicing that? Or, um, yeah. Could you just unpack that for us? Yeah, I think the way I'm experiencing that right now is my daily practice of centering prayer where mm -hmm. Thomas Keating teaches us to go into our inner room and to close the door on all our other activities, on all our thoughts and ideas and experiences with God and to just be, just surrender there uh, into the love of God and to be present to God being with us here now and being within and all around. I love that practice. Um, Cynthia Bergeau is a wonderful teacher of that as well. That has served me well for over a decade. Very grateful for that because letting go of thoughts helps me to surrender and be aware of the, the great love and presence of God and not get consumed in my thoughts about tomorrow or yesterday. So centering prayer is a, a great practice for me. And more recently, the welcoming prayer. 
this, I just dove into this summer. It was the perfect timing because I noticed that, yes, I can let go of my thoughts, but my body is having reactions. Some of my trauma, some of my negative energy that my body still holds comes up once in a while and it triggers me and it can yank me away and start hijacking me down different paths. But if I can just allow those feelings to come up and out of where they're stored in me or where I'm being triggered or where I'm connecting with them, and I can then consent to God meeting me as I sink into those feelings and allow them out and then let go of what I would normally maybe want to go to, security, affection, control, or trying to change the situation or what, my, what I'm experiencing. That has served me very well. And then just the breath prayers of the day, uh, mm-hmm. which um, Thomas Keating um, teaches us that if we're able to enter into centering prayer once or twice a day and then do the welcoming prayer on the go as, as our body feels things along the way, and to have a mantra or a breath prayer of connecting with God through the day. He calls that unceasing prayer. And for someone who has a passion for prayer to think, oh, could I really live a life of unceasing prayer in some way? And I believe prayer is way bigger than those things. I believe prayer is in all of life. Prayer is in our sighs and our groans and our laughter. Uh, it's, it's in everything and in, in everything, every created thing. So... Thomas Keating, may he rest in peace. May he. I'm grateful. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the Centering Prayer book was the beginning of my, I mean, I was always, I feel feel like I've always been called to prayer. But when I read Centering Prayer back in 1995 or something like that, that took me on a whole new, uh, took me in a whole new direction. (laughs) Yeah. And then finding the welcoming prayer as well. Thomas Keating said the two are like the wings of a bird. I mean, he always, t- he always talked about the divine therapist, right? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a way of dealing with all of those feelings and emotions and all that sort of thing, that, all that sort of stuff that comes up during the day. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love those kind of prayers. They're, they're not shopping lists with God. They're not obligations. I used to have to do devotions back in the day, and they did become a, I've got to check this off my list. But I really love that prayer practices now are invitations to meet with divine love and serve us so well. And well, like anything, they can also become a, a ritual that doesn't serve us well. But I think they really help balance us and, and bring some rhythm into, into our lives. It's my first work. That's what I felt I heard inside of me. If I don't do this work, don't try and do all that other work, spiritually mm-hmm. companioning others. My first work is, is quiet and stillness, silence, and uh, connecting with the divine one, doing my own work. We're going to end with a, a meditation. But before we do that, instead of closing up with, you know, here's where you can contact <laughs> Lori and that sort of thing. Let's do that now. So if people are interested in, uh, you've written several books and um, what, what are the titles of your books? Uh, Invited is my first book. Yeah. It's a compilation of actually 80 different prayer exercises. Some mm. of them are just little ones, five minute. Uh, some are half hour prior encounters. You could take on a re- retreat day or on a Sunday afternoon if you want to spend a little more time. Uh, doing a prayer uh, encounter. And then I've got three little meditation books that actually started with my journey uh, back out of the woods. One is called Choose Love. It's a, they're all three little meditations are photo books with quotes and an invitation to 
be with the, with the photos and the quotes because I found in grief, I couldn't do lots of reading, deep reading, but I could gaze at beauty. I could look at an image and it would speak to me or a simple quote. So Choose Love is uh, heart shapes in nature that led me back to, to a, um, a deeper connection with God. And that led me to Grace Upon Grace, which is the book um, where I've compiled a lot of things that helped me on my grief journey. Some sketches that I've done, quotes, and, and um, things that meet us with our loss. And then the third one that was just uh, more recent uh, is called The Next Dawn. And it's the kind of the coming through the grief and coming into what's next, or through the dark night, and some hope and um, I just want to read one my favorite quote, if I can, out of yeah, please do. out of um, the next dawn, which is where we where we hope that we come to in in grief, and it's from Julian of Norwich, uh, where she says, "God's ever flowing love and strength must become everything for me. To depend upon divine strength must become my greatest rest. To live in the love of God." even at the cost of great sacrifice must become my highest aim, my crown. Thank and I've got you. lots of roomy in there for, for roomy lovers, <laughs> um, you know, stay with it and dance with me and yeah, some great, great things. And, and St. Augustine is the church, right? Is that the... Uh, no, I'm at St. Dunstan's. St. Dunstan. Okay. Yeah. And, and tell us what's going on there. Yes. When I was coming out of my exile, I was wondering where I would go to church, and um, I hope you have time for a quick little story here, but the, the story is awesome in that I felt drawn to this church. I'd been to a concert at once, met the priest in the hallway, seemed like a nice enough fellow, and as I walk up on Pentecost Sunday, because my spiritual director said something about it's Pentecost Sunday, may the Spirit be with you, and I thought, oh, I want to go to church. All of a sudden, the light went on. And I walked down the sidewalk towards the church, and they had built a big wooden structure outside that they were going to light this huge fire on Pentecost Sunday. And I said, I don't know who these people are, exactly what they're all about, but these are my people. And it was like God had led me and directed me finally to um, a faith community where it was inclusive and loving and non-judgmental and, um, and just a wonderful parish. So that's where I'm at, and I've been there almost three years this Pentecost Sunday, or this next Pentecost in this, uh, 2019. And so because I've been doing retreats and uh, spiritual direction, I've been invited to, to offer that in the church. And we've put together what was already existing in the church for prayer and uh, spiritual practices, plus a, a bunch of other things that I like to create and have fun with. David, our priest, is very on board with all this and just really inspired me to to pull my work into into this center. So it's a part of the church. It's not separate from the church. It's the spiritual formation part of the church where we offer retreats and workshops and spiritual practices, spiritual companioning. Cool. And we'll, we'll put links to all of that in our, in our show notes. Yeah. If people 2019. Um, check that out, some coming out soon. Yeah. Okay, great. Good. And I think we're doing a blanket ceremony there in February. Yes. Soul stream. Yes. Yeah. That'd be wonderful. Yeah. yeah, we've got an Enneagram workshop coming up, a labyrinth workshop. We've got a yoga retreat coming, oh, all kinds of things, hikes, meditation hikes. We've got some spiritual practices where we'll look at Ignatian and Benedictine spirituality, an epiphany retreat coming up. We've got an Advent one this weekend. Yeah, just really grateful to 
to offer sacred space and places to people uh, for people to meet with themselves and God and each other. I'm beginning your emails. I'm going, holy cow, Lori is busy. She's prolific here with all of this stuff. You've, you've I got, got great help. <laughs> oh, that's good. It's not just you. That's, that's good. So I'm wondering if we can close our time with a little meditation teaching. Yes. That, Let me you know. thank you, Rod, for yeah. making space for me to share some of my story. Oh, it's been great. I hope we can visit again. I, could, I feel like we could talk for another couple hours. So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd love that. Good. So I'm actually going to mute my mic, and I'm just going to let you take it away. Okay, this is out of my invited book. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, for I am gentle and humble in heart. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly, for my yoke is wholesome and my burden is light. Might you be weary or burdened at this time? Are you longing for some rest, for some gentle, gracious care to your soul? Let us meet with one who can bear our burdens. I just invite you to be mindful of how you connect with the Holy One, Divine Presence, as God or Spirit as Jesus, the Good Shepherd, as a universe of love. How do you best connect with the divine indwelling spirit? And as you move toward saying yes to this time, with love, I invite you to remember a recent time where you have felt a sense of God's presence. And maybe not felt in a tangible way, but maybe just a knowing, an inner awareness of God with you in some way. What was that like? Maybe you have a favorite chair where you like to sit and pray or ponder. Maybe outside when you're walking the hills in nature, you can connect with God. But somewhere I just invite you to meet with God. And what would God say to you today in your heart as you're in this place of presence with God? Maybe you don't see in images but you hear thoughts or have deep sensing. I find it easy to meet God in Psalm 23 because it's such a visual of how the Good Shepherd loves his sheep and how she comes close to her sheep and cares for them. 
And I wonder, as a sheep or as your beautiful self, you realize I am carrying a burden. I am carrying something that is heavy. It's, it's troubling me. And what, what, would that, what would that burden look like or feel like if you could give it a name or a symbol? Maybe a heavy weight on your heart or shackles around your ankle or just a pain in your neck, maybe like a heavy backpack of rocks. What's your burden that you're carrying today? You might be feeling burdened for a family member or a situation financially or relationally. Maybe it's something from the past that's not resolved, but there's a burden. Well, what would that burden look like? And where would you carry that in your body? Maybe it's right in your gut or in your heart, in the pit of your stomach. Maybe that burden has become a part of you and it's really hard to imagine life without that burden, but it has a shelf life and it seems to be time to let it go. But can you? Should you? Will you be able to? I just invite you to look at what the cost of carrying that burden will be in your life and your heart. What's it keep you from? What happens if you continue to carry that much longer? Maybe there's a payoff for keeping it. Maybe there's a reason why you carry that. Maybe it seems like it really is important and it matters a lot. Of course it matters a lot. And that's why we want to bring an awareness of God's presence being with us here now and share that burden with one who cares and loves us. Maybe there is a value to that burden and it's been good for a while to help carry a burden for a friend or a loved one. Or maybe it's been really helpful to help us see that, oh, we need to come close to God. Or maybe we need to get some help with carrying this burden in some way in our life. What might be the value of your burden? Maybe your energy is needed somewhere else now, though. Let us listen. If you're willing, if you're able, could we continue to listen to what needs to happen with this burden? Is there an invitation to you today to meet God with this burden? Maybe it's actually too heavy for you to give. Maybe we can just ask divine love to come and take it for you. What would that look like? How might you be without it? 
what might God rather you carry than this? Maybe there's something more helpful, more useful for your life, for your heart. Would you be willing to do a trade to replace this burden with what God would rather you have in your life? So what would you like to happen with this burden? With the symbol or image that you've been given, where, where could it go? What could happen with it? And if it's too precious, maybe just leaving it in God's loving heart would be okay. We don't have to let it go, but we could let it be. We could let it be with God. What if you could just let this be? So let's invite God to come and to gently lift that burden for you or take it from you or to hold it. And if it seems a little difficult to surrender it, how about we let God just hold you and the burden and care for you? until maybe you are able to let it go. In this silence, may a lightness come to you as you feel this burden lift or have the faith to just trust that God wants to take this for you. What does that feel like as you let it go? Surrender. Perhaps you see it makes room for what God would rather you have. Can you say yes to receive that? We ask Holy Spirit, sacred friend, beautiful, generous God, that you would indeed meet us in this place and remove this burden for us and replace it with what you would rather us have. What does God want you to have? What would you prefer to have? What's a song or a symbol or a scripture, a gift? What's a life message that God would rather give you at this time. I encourage you to go with the first thing that comes into mind. Sometimes we try to use our thinking rather than our opening to receive the messages through our heart. What is love saying to you in this place? And can love put her wounded, beautiful healing hand on your heart, on your back, on your stomach, 
anywhere in your body where you've held this burden. And in this wounded hand, can she draw into herself all that is no longer yours to carry? Can you receive the compassion and care that is for you there? Can you rest there with God? Just invite God's presence to continue to touch and settle and heal and guide you in this place. May you know you were loved with or without that burden. May you know that you are being given rich gifts and treasures to help you live the life from your true essence without these burdens weighing down your beautiful self. May you begin to walk this out slowly, more lightly and freely in all of life and continue to return to the place of meeting where God's presence is real and God meets us in these unseen realities of grace. Amen.